All right, so this is the first episode of It's Getting Harder to Remember the 90s. My name's Scott Shifty MacDonald. We'll explain the nickname down the line in another episode. Uh, I'm going to retell stories of uh, my 20s from when I was in a band and in, in just as a general youth in Detroit, Michigan, in the music scene. So... I grew up in Detroit. My name's Scott Bryant MacDonald. I was born in 1971. That makes me about 51 as of today. Doesn't make it about. I am 51 as of today. I was born um, to younger parents. My parents were 19, 15, 16, uh, raised in the city, over by City Airport off Gratiot. Blah. Wonderful folks. Uh, had an uncle who played drums, Uncle Sam, Sam Oliver. Great guy. I wanted to play drums when I was younger. At some point, it must have got in my soul. For Christmas, when I was nine, my parents had gotten divorced already prior to that, maybe, or right around then. And I went to my dad's, went to my grandma's uh, little condo over there and, uh, you know, got the normal socks and bullshit, whatever it was, for Christmas presents. And my dad said, hey, there's one more thing behind grandma's bed. So go there, little sheet, pull it off, sparkle, gold sparkle drum set starlight slingerland knockoff heaven started well heaven for me hell for mom i think and i think dad got a deal on a kit he said it was his roommate was kisses peter chris's drum tech but i don't know that's probably what you'll see storytelling came and didn't fall far from the tree so dad can tell a story he's got a personality that went on you know playing all that stuff and at some point 85, we'd moved to St. Clair Shores, Michigan, up nine at Jefferson. So out South Lake District, going to school, met a gentleman by the name of Sean Allen. Cool dude, as far as I remember. Burnout-ish. We were kind of burnouts. He smoked weed, did drugs, limited drugs, but smoked weed when we were kids, and I thought, this guy's cool. So we became fast friends. We got ourselves in trouble at school, or I did on my own. His dad had played guitar. And then his dad actually was a backup singer back in the Seegers, uh, back in 72 record, smoking OPs, that kind of time frame. So he had it in his blood. So we decided it's time. We got to about middle school. We started jamming. He got a guitar, amp. I had my drums. We conned the middle school and letting the two of us play. So I, 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 I'll, I'll come after this one, but this is the first time I remember loading those drums out after the little, you know, Right after school, I was playing the cafeteria on a little stage. I remember uh, Anna Criscola helped me carry my drum set out. And at the time, girls wore big sweaters. We're, I'm t- we're middle school. This is, this is, I'm keeping it PG here. It was very PG, but it felt like the world. So when she was carrying that drum set, she was smiling and happy and paying attention to us and paying attention to me. Girls were fawning over the two of us, and we thought, we're at, we got this, man. So that might have been the spark to it. I think I could see it on her, her, her sweater, too, and, and see a bra, probably a Carter's. Got a glimpse of a rose there. So it pushed me into a point of, like, man, we can do this. And I had a drive in my head. I'm like, we're going to get this done, man. We're going to be it. We're going to make it. This scene, like, man, we're it. We, we panned around through high school, the different little concoction show on Stockwell playing uh, bass, me singing, playing drums, pulling off a... F. Collins, Phil Collins, P. Collins, P. H. Collins uh, gag back there, 
do some Echo and the Bunnymen, things like that. And at, at that point in time, and early on in high school, there was a re two record stores, one by us, Car City Classics, and then a, a more hip kind of, they're both pretty hip, but more hip, newish thing, uh, a newish release kind of alternative metal and st alternative rock and indie rock college stuff, record time in Roseville, and we'd go out there, and there was a gentleman that played drums in The Colors. It was a local band, late 80s in Detroit. It was Pat Pantana. Pat gone through, and he was working there, and he would say, get on this record right here, man, Mousetrap by uh, Dust Diamond. We're like, all right, bought it. Come in and be like, get this cassette right here. This is uh, Hang Time. Soul Sound. We're like, got it. We'd go through, he's a tastemaker. Hey, have you ever listened to Daydream Nation? We're like, buy it. Good. Sonic Youth, great. So Pat, kind of a couple years older than us, so he's, or maybe he isn't, but Pat was the guru. He was the, the tastemaker, that one that's in, in, the, in the area, in, in, your, in your town that's like, I'll show you the way. He's a gatekeeper of taste. So we kind of followed suit on whatever came out, whatever was cool. And then we started digesting it, 120 minutes, MTV. You know, Before that, We'd like a lot of hair metal, Van Halen, you know, like your Aussies, all that stuff. But we got to that point where Pat showed us the way with at record time and all the guys. And then we started to notice there was bands. Pat was in a band. We're like, hey. So then we started to see bands play. This had to be 15, 14, 15. Besides seeing concerts and things like that, my dad would take us and uh, there'd be free concerts. Go see Bon Jovi down at Hart Plaza. All these things. Hart Plaza is like down in the waterfront Detroit and we'd have free concerts or go see Cheap Trick on the, on the Flame tour, uh, play like free concert outside. But we've started to find out there are venues, there's paychecks, there's St. Andrew's Hall, all these things. And we'd go see Seven Seconds and Circle Jerks or NXS. We'd start seeing every band we could at some point. And we're like, we, we've got to play at these places. And it, it goes on through a certain point in time. And it was Judy Apone, a friend of ours from school. I was dating a friend of hers, Rachel, and she said, we, I know this guy. He's the best singer ever from Gross Point. Great-looking guy, Nick Lucassi. So Nick came over, and he became the singer. I think he was 14 at the time. He looked kind of preppy, but there was something that he wasn't preppy. Maybe he was preppy. I don't know. So we, we put together a band, Beggars and Choosers. Beggars and Choosers played, and we played, and we played, like, the Chisel Brothers Tuesday Night Jams or Open Jams or anything where we could. And we started to get gigs, and at some point, God bless you, Perry. Perry Lavoine became the manager of St. Andrew's Hall. And I don't know how it came about. I think we pushed or whatever. We were going there already in, in high school. And, and that was my senior year. And he gave us an opening spot for, I think, the Happy Death Man. Uh, uh, we, we, we played St. Andrew's, and, and it was just so happened it was prom night. Instead of going to prom, so attending my prom, I went and played 25 minutes at St. Andrew's Hall to make five bucks each guy that's we got paid twenty dollars and he gave us a beer and that was it we we're hooked at that point i, I would want to say we thought we had the world in in the palm of our hands uh, you're a kid you, you know it's it's like feeding a stray dog uh you you got your first you, you seen your name in print in like the metro times and the jam rag you see you know you're you're at the bottom but you're still like we did this, man. We're, we were, we're still in high school, and we're playing here. And I just saw PIL, or I seen NXS, or I seen whoever, or the, our local heroes. We've seen, like, Second Self, or seen these bands. And at that point, I knew. I'm like, if 
we keep doing this, we can at least just play and people pay attention to us and we'll be around more like-minded people. So that, that encapsulates the drive of it was, as a kid, I liked music. It came from our, our family and our soul. And so, something hit on that. You don't know why, but it just hits and you can do it. You, you got enough input from people in your family or people around your friends. And then as a kid, you're looking for something. You, know, you still have your family, you still live at home, you know, a teenager and that, but you're looking to rebel. And you kind of start to line yourself up with the things that are coming out of out of different different musicians. Like, you know, some rap speaks to some people, metal speaks to some people. Uh, sometimes you take mescaline and you cry in the dark, listening to "There's a Light That'll Never Go Out" by the Smiths. It's just the, wherever you're at, and then you line yourself up with those people. It reminds me that I thought we could make something out of ourselves as if it's just a family of stuff. It sort of reminds me of like. The premise of it was, in, in looking back at it, we just wanted to be musicians and play. We wanted people to pay attention to us. We wanted things to be good. So uh, I, was, I was reading uh, The 90s, a book by Chuck Klosterman, um, rock author, critic, blah, blah, blah. He had said that when you hit a certain age, like we hit 18 or 20, you, you don't have a family of your own yet, but your friends are your family. Your friends become just as important as your family music and bands and the scene became just as important to us. So that's where we started off as a long journey into trying to make a whole scenario out of different people that you met, different songs and ideas and things. And we could do that because it was in first hand with other people and it felt like it mattered. Obviously, you're younger. Everything feels like it mattered, but it felt at that moment it felt like, wait a second, there's a lot of people that are good at doing this in this town again. I mean, I think we can go through and be a part of this as a peer. Like, people will res are, are starting to say they, that we're good or they respect you. And people are of like minds. They don't sit there and just talk about football, and talk about cars. I mean, we did, but in a different way. And... The girls were different. They were, they they had a different vibe to them. They weren't just. A friend told me recently, just don't be so suburban about everything, and that's the way it felt. It felt like we could be a part of something just from picking up drumsticks at nine years old, or grabbing a guitar, sitting down in a room and just bashing out nothingness, and then thinking that this is pablum, trite, BS that's coming out of your mouth is a song. And then stealing the ideas and then finding more people and more like-minded people and more people like it. And that's what brought me to that point in life to where I realized if I put my head down and go just straight into this, not even thinking, just keep doing, at some point, I can at least make myself happy in life playing music and being a part of this music scene. Now, that's where it started. That's the context of what's going on. So we've got to a point here. That's a little bit of an intro. I'm getting used to trying to remember what's going on. Like I said, the name of this one is it's getting harder to re remember the 90s because it's getting harder to remember the 90s. Now, if you like this at all, that's great. Now, in the next coming weeks, I'm gonna do little stories of things I remember, try to focus in on little ideas. 
I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings. This one was pretty PG, like I said, even in the middle of it. I'm a grown-up, I swear. I'm a grown-up, I'll tell the truth. I've made my mistakes, I've done dumb things. So that's gonna come to a head when we go through forward from this point on. Now, I'm gonna interview different people that I've been in bands with, different people from the scenes, different friends, and we're gonna tell stories. Whatever long length of time it takes, it might be 15 minutes like this, it might be an hour, or I'll break them up. You know, no one's got that kind of time, we're old people. You got, we got things to do. But right now, I just want you to remember you were alive in the 90s, or if you weren't, there was a moment to where the world felt when you're young, and you might be young now, everything mattered, everything you did was super important. Let's try to remember that. All right, thank you again, Scott McDonald, trying to remember the 90s, but it's getting harder. <laughs>